Pig X, Ideas in the Swine Industry Worth Sharing. Join extension specialists and swine industry experts as they engage in conversations aimed to help producers succeed in raising healthy pigs. Welcome to another episode of the Pig X Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Howell. Just a quick note here, there was a little difficulty producing this episode with scheduling, and that's why this episode is being released a little behind schedule. But future episodes will still be released the first Monday of every month. However, this episode I think was worth waiting for because it focuses on two very important topics. PERS vaccination and research, and biosecurity. And you might be thinking at first blush, these two topics don't have a ton in common, but believe me, there is a lot of overlap. Think about a time when your farm or a farm you know had a disease outbreak. Was there biosecurity up to par or could there have been a few things that needed to be addressed? Regardless, we all face risk on our farms when it comes to disease and biosecurity plays an important role in being able to address that. But don't just take my word for it. Let's turn our attention first to a conversation I had with Cesar Mora, a PhD student at Iowa State University who has been studying PERS since his arrival stateside. My name is Cesar Mora. I'm a PhD student at the VDPN department at Iowa State University. Uh, and I'm also a research assistant and I got my DVM in Brazil in 2015, and I've, I've done some field work in my country for two years, and I got here in, in U.S. in 2017 um, to join Dr. Uh, Daniel Liari's group and conduct my PhD on how to use epidemiology, epidemiological and immunolo immunological solutions to control PERS virus on growing pig groups. Before we dive into this topic a little deeper, let's review about PERS. The porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome, most commonly known as PERS, is a viral disease that infects pigs of all ages. The disease can lead to a variety of problems, including reproductive failure, pneumonia, slower growth rates, and increased mortality in pigs. In the United States alone, the total cost to the industry has been estimated at upwards of $600 million per year. That's right, I said $600 million per year due to losses in the production chain. We all know the PERS virus is a virus that causes a disease that uh, affects the, the swine industry economically. It's a disease that costs too much to the industry every year. And we all know that big part of this, in, of this impact of this disease is on, is on growing pig populations, right? So we have this need, we, have the we see that the need of the industry to work and, and, and try to reduce these losses after winning. So we conducted a field study on the last, on the last month here in Iowa State, and we follow 81 MLV vaccinated growing pig groups by collecting six oral fluid samples every three weeks. So all these groups, they were originated from PERS virus endemic farms. So it, it means PERS virus, we, they were positive for the vaccine or for wild type when, when the study started. And all the 
peaks were placed in high peak dense areas of USA. So we were we're really looking at, at pigs, they're exposed to, to birds. We're really here looking at scenarios that pigs are very likely to be exposed to wild type virus. So in, in summary here, 90% of the groups were exposed to wild type virus at, at least once during the study period. We sampled the groups every three weeks and we had a total of eight collection points. So what I'm saying is 90% of the groups were positive for wild type in any, in any time during the study. So it, it's showing, and, and all the groups were vaccinated. And we, we did the sequencing analysis of the virus to, to identify the wild type virus. So this study shows that most of the groups, most of the groups going to high peak dense areas, even, even though they're vaccinated, they are uh, likely to see the wild type virus throughout the growing phase. To recap what Caesar just shared, that was a lot of information to take in. However, their study, as he just mentioned, collected samples on modified live virus vaccines in growing pigs, collecting six oral fluid samples every three weeks. They found some interesting results when it came to large herds and the impact PERS had with being introduced earlier in the production life cycle compared to later. But another key element you might have missed there was the MLV, or Modified Live Virus, and what that means. So MLV would be Modified Live Virus Vaccination. So this would be attenuated viruses that were selected to expose the pigs without causing any clinical disease and protecting these pigs from, from possible uh, virus field outbreaks with wild-type strains. These MLV viruses that were used showed some interesting results, but first I wanted to have Caesar share the methodology for introducing them into the study. Well, first of all, it is important to note that based on the literature, the vaccination of pigs with one full MLV dose is effective to, to reduce the, the clinical consequences of PERS virus infection in the field. And, and we know that based on previous studies that were published on, uh, on the last years. But intending, intending to improve the protection on the pigs, we, we also looked at the productivity performance of vaccinating pigs with two doses of PERS MLV vaccine compared to vaccinating pigs with only one MLV dose. So Caesar and his team set out to find if two MLV doses had any impact on the PERS virus. So all piglets included in the study, they were vaccinated with one full MLV dose either at processing age or at winning age. And the groups that were allocated in a two-dose protocol, they received the second shot with another full MLV vaccine dose four weeks after the first vaccination. So basically the two-dose protocol had a, had a four-week interval between the, the two MLV vaccinations. And it, and it didn't really matter the timing 
of the of the first vaccination. So we had the, we had groups that were either vaccinated at processing or at winning. What really mattered here was the uh, was the interval between the the two doses, which was always four weeks. Again, to recap here, the research found that it doesn't necessarily matter when the first MLV dose was given. The key is in the second round of that MLV dosage. So we used the we used regression models to compare some some key productivity indicators between groups that were vaccinated with only one dose and groups that were vaccinated with two doses of PERS MLV vaccine. And the results did not show any statistical differences on growth performance parameters between the two vaccination groups. And uh, when what I mean by uh, growth performance parameters is that we look at when to finish average daily gain and when to finish feed conversion. So with the, there was no, no difference in, in, in these two parameters between the, the groups that, that received one uh, and groups that received two MLV doses. But we found a significant difference when we're looking at the when to finish mortality. The groups that were vaccinated with one MLV dose had 7.37% of mortality rate, while groups that were vaccinated with two MLV dose had 6.28% of mortality. Growth performance, as Caesar just mentioned there, was not affected by the one versus two doses of the vaccination, but the mortality rate was affected. And it was very interesting to look at the, at the difference on the mortality rate between the, between the two vaccination groups at different scenarios. Basically, what I mean is that the difference in mortality between the two vaccination groups changed depending on the age of the pigs when they were exposed to PERS virus and also depending on the magnitude of virus challenge that the groups receive during the grow to finish phase. More, more specifically, the two dose protocol was more efficient to reduce the mortality when the groups were exposed to wild type PERS at the south farm and, or, or at the nursery phase compared to when the groups were exposed to the virus later on during the, during the finishing phase. It was also interesting to see that the two-dose protocol was more efficient to reduce the mortality on the groups that had a higher detection of wild-type PERS virus during, during the grow-to-finish phase. And what I mean by, by a higher detection of PERS virus is that the groups had either a higher frequency of wild-type virus detection during the, the winter-finish phase, or they had a higher diversity of wild-type detection during the grow-to-finish phase. So basically, the groups that the reduction on the mortality 
followed by the two-dose protocol was higher on the groups that had higher levels of challenge. Before we turn our conversation to talking biosecurity, Caesar has just a few take-home messages which I think really drive the message home. So, in summary, under the conditions of this study, vaccinating uh, growing pig groups with the two doses of PERS-MLV vaccine was a was a useful strategy to immunize growing pigs against PERS, lowering the growing pig mortality rate, and especially on groups that were early infected and on the groups that faced high levels of challenge during the growing phase. Wow, what a lot of great information there. Not only can we implement new ideas and protocols such as a double MLV, but another factor, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, that can play a role in increased or decreased PERS outbreaks is, of course, biosecurity. Next, we turn to Dr. Jeff Blythe, a veterinarian for Pipestone Systems, who recognizes the value of biosecurity and incorporates it into a daily part of his routine. Working with producers all over Iowa, parts of South Dakota and Minnesota, he sees firsthand some of the do's and don'ts of biosecurity, so stay tuned. Uh, my name is Dr. Jeff Blythe, and I am a uh, veterinarian now with Pipestone Veterinary Services. And um, Pipestone Veterinary Services and based out of Boring City. And my role is uh, swine consulting veterinarian. And um, I'm also a partner in Pipestone Holdings, which is the parent company that owns Pipestone Veterinary Services. So my role is as a veterinarian is certainly all the traditional things you might come across in, in health and welfare, but it has expanded over the years as clients have become uh, certainly more knowledgeable in all different aspects of the new uh, technologies that um, are involved in care of, of uh, the pigs we um, are charged with uh, looking over. And that can include ventilation, nutrition, uh, pen design, facility design, obviously animal health and welfare uh, involved as well. As Dr. Blythe mentions, we are all getting a lesson in biosecurity right now as COVID-19 has threatened human biosecurity. But what does it mean for pigs? Wow. So biosecurity, pretty point, important in the, the, these days and times, isn't it? Um, everybody in across the country, if not the world, is learning about biosecurity through mediation, social distancing, and all those kind of things. The way we use biosecurity in um, the ag industry or in more specifically in swine farms is really as a set of procedures intended to keep and protect humans and animals against disease or harmful biological agents. So biosecurity is very important for both the health and the welfare of the pigs uh, that we care for. Um, it's also important for the caretakers as well the health and welfare of the pigs. So certainly, as we've found out in the world, there's different viruses that are active and moving around in the world today. Uh, certainly one of those might be PERS. There's uh, many other viruses, influenza, certainly, uh, the new 
COVID-19 is a different kind of sort of form of influenza, or it's a, actually not an influenza, but a respiratory virus. And so we want to protect the health and welfare of those pigs so that they do not become in contact with that. Biosecurity is also important for any possible uh, cross-species transmission. Influenza is certainly one of those that, we, that we've run across in the past. And then lastly, um, if we keep the pigs healthy and they don't come into contact with some of these bad viruses or bacteria and those kind of things, there's less need for medication. Also, if pigs get sick, there's more labor demand. And uh, we do have somewhat of a limited labor source in the animal industry now. And so labor efficiency is a big thing. And, and the healthier we can keep those animals, the healthier, more comfortable, the less uh, time that the laborers need to manage those pigs and keep them healthy through treatment, vaccinations, and uh, other things. Why should you as a producer be focused so heavily on biosecurity? There are, of course, the obvious reasons, but what about things that we don't think of day to day? One of the you know, research has shown over the years through actually some research and then cer- certainly through um, just normal common sense and anecdotal information that a lot of the ways that pigs get exposed to these different viruses or bacteria is actually through caretaker contact, manure, uh, maybe nasal discharge or those kind of things on uh, coveralls or boots that, that the caretaker maybe wore in a different set of pigs that were maybe a totally different source or a different farm site. Um, this was certainly driven home very aggressively through the PED outbreak that the industry had back in 2013. PED is very, very infectious. And the more we could do to have site-specific coveralls, boots, those kind of things, help prevent the next site from possibly getting that PED virus. It might seem a little elementary to talk about biosecurity measures for producers to implement, but as Dr. Blythe puts it, it's always good to have a little refresher and maybe put a reset on your practices being implemented. Probably the, the kind of a boxed-in area that, that the outside clothes and shoes stay in, and there's a little bench you can swing your feet over and change into farm-specific or barn-specific boots and coveralls that uh, stay within that barn. And then conversely, as you go back out, take the boots and coveralls off and change back into your travel clothes, we'll call them. Biggest one would be farm-specific or barn-specific, however, or site-specific, however that lays out in your in your pig-raising scenarios. It could be, you know, multiple barns on a certain site that you uh, want to uh, keep separate, if you will, or maybe one site that has just one barn and you're going from different sites with different barns, with one barn on each. So farm-specific or site-specific boots and clothing, and uh, that that stays at the farm. It doesn't travel uh, down the road with you. Many of the the finishing or nursery sites have a small changing area or office, a little area that you can walk into and Many, many of uh, the producers I work with at least have uh, initiated the Danish entry system. And uh, when I say that, uh, if you're not familiar with that, 
Danish entry is just having a, a little kind of a, an area delineated that outside shoes can land into from from the outside as you're walking from whatever vehicle you have when you come to the site. Step in the door of the finishing office and you have um, kind of a boxed in area that, that the outside clothes and shoes stay in and there's a little bench you can swing your feet over and change into farm specific or barn specific boots and coveralls that uh, stay within that barn. And then conversely, as you go back out, take the boots and coveralls off and change back into your travel clothes, we'll call them. It's easier for us as producers to get focused on their well-being and health, but we as growers also need to focus on our own health for biosecurity purposes, as we can also spread and carry disease that could impact our herds. You know, certainly there's things that can move through the air that we found, and and, uh, we found seed transmission on some of these bad viruses that we're discussing here today, but... um, Probably the most common one is is walking that virus or that bacteria from barn to barn to barn on our clothing and boots, or even on our hands. And so part of the Danish entry, if possible, would be if there's a little sink or something like that, that um, you can wash your hands up to your elbows um, after uh, getting done working with the pigs and caring for the pigs. Uh, those simple things. Uh, changing out of the barn-specific clothes and boots, washing hands up to the elbows, uh, it's been proven that those w- those actions will prevent 90-plus percent of transmission of those different bad agents, we'll call them. Those bad agents, as Dr. Blythe calls them, can enter a pig's life at any point of production. But there are a few points during their life when those agents have far more drastic impacts on their productivity. Biosecurity is important. Most of the mortality that you might see, most, not all, but most of the mortality you might see is going to happen early on in that pig's life when uh, they haven't had the time to develop the appropriate immune system. And so whatever we can do to minimize uh, the possibility that some of these bad agents that could sneak into a barn, a sow farm, or a nursery, or early finisher, if we can minimize the ability for those things to happen, then we give that pig a fighting chance to develop their immune system as they're growing and become uh, better acclimated, better able to uh, mount an immune response if they do come into contact at a, at a later age with some of those viruses or bacteria. It's that time again to tackle some take-home messages from Dr. Blythe, so let's listen in closely here. Certainly, number one starts before anyone even visits the farm. Really, it's know who is visiting the farm and, and when. Uh, limit that outside visitor because they may not be in, as in tune with the biosecurity protocols that you demand of every person to visit that, that farm. My personal preference is to keep that barn locked at all times uh, so that there is some assurance that you know uh, there isn't any uh, outside uh, persons visiting your barn, either for honest reasons or nefarious reasons. My preference is to have all visiting personnel before their feet hit the ground, uh, slip into little gray booties and so that they're not tracking 
anything from their travel vehicle into the little entryway of the office uh, as they prepare to come in and, and view the pigs with you. We talked about uh, Danish entry a little bit earlier, but I think Danish entry at the minimum is very important. Farm or barn specific uh, boots and clothing, an area where you can shed your travel shoes, travel clothes if warranted, and step into barns or farm specific boots and coveralls that are clean and, and washed up in between uh, visits. I think one thing that gets really overlooked, item seven, would be, you know, dead stock removal. Uh, have a good set of protocols on how we handle uh, those pigs that have died and how do we get them out of the barn and uh, safely get them to a many uh, of the rendering sites or farms that I still visit or see driving down the road might have the same area where the the dead stock might be dropped off and then the rendering trucks driving over that same area. It would be best if possible to have maybe a 180 degree entry area to the dead stock area that the pigs can pl be placed into the rendering box if possible. And then the, uh, the rendering truck can then approach from 180 degrees or on the other side. And so there's never ever any cross traffic, if you will, and uh, never any cross traffic of the caretaker's vehicle with maybe any spillage that might might come out of the rendering truck. Um, last item would be, you know, we all need to bring pigs into these facilities or, uh, or take uh, market hogs out. And so trucking is a, a significant area that, that uh, significant area of um, risk to the barn, both as the pigs are coming in, what they physically come in with, or maybe what they come in with as they're walking in, um, if say feeder pigs or isoweens, for example, if a truck wasn't cleaned prior to loading those feeder pigs. Now that typically doesn't happen in today's day and age, but that's one way of walking virus or bacteria into that nice clean brand spank and clean finishing barn. On the other end, as we load out the finishing pigs, um, making sure uh, we're using uh, clean, disinfected uh, market loads wherever possible. I know it's uh, very difficult, especially in the winter, to get everything clean and dry, and certainly the amount of truck washouts uh, sometimes limit that, but wherever possible, use clean uh, trailers because we do know, and the, again, PED taught us uh, the truckers are you know, uh, doing the best they can, but they're asked to, uh, you know, walk down in there, help, help get pigs to market. And, and we do know that just a tiny, tiny little bit of PD manure is actually very, very infectious. So, uh, those kind of things that, that loadout time maybe is the most stressful time on the farm. So people kind of forget about, biosecurity protocols and I see that happen you know you're trying to get those guys onto the truck and it it can be a little stressful at times and so always just need to slow down and uh, think critically. Awesome Jeff is there anything that you feel like we didn't touch on that you want to make sure you get out there? 
uh, those are those are the big points. Delaney, I, I don't know. I hope it was all right. Okay, perfect. No. Last item would be, you know, we all need to bring pigs into these facilities or uh, or take uh, market hogs out. And so trucking is a significant area of um, risk to the barn, both as the pigs are coming in, what they physically come in with, or maybe what they come in with as they're walking in, if, say, feeder pigs or isoenes, for example, if a truck wasn't cleaned prior to loading those feeder pigs. Now, that typically doesn't happen in today's day and age, but that's one way of walking virus or bacteria into that nice, clean, brand spank and clean finishing barn. On the other end, as we load out the finishing pigs, um, making sure uh, we're using uh, clean, disinfected market loads wherever possible. I know it's uh, very difficult, especially in the winter, to get everything clean and dry, and certainly the amount of truck washouts uh, sometimes limit that, but wherever possible, use clean uh, trailers because we do know, and the, again, PED taught us uh, the truckers are, you know, uh, doing the best they can, but they're asked to, uh, you know, walk down in there, help help get pigs to market, and, and we do know that just a tiny, tiny little bit of PD manure is actually very, very infectious. But my favorite simple take-home message from Jeff is easily rememberable for all folks working in the pork industry. You know, you're trying to get those guys onto the truck, and it, it can be a little stressful at times. And so always just need to slow down and uh, think critically. Well, that does it for another episode of the Pig X Podcast. Tune in soon for episode five in just a few short weeks as we tackle sow body condition scores with Dr. Laura Greiner. If you're enjoying the Pig X Podcast, please also take a quick moment to write us a review and give us a rating on the podcast platform you've been listening to this episode on. Until next time, I'm your host, Delaney Howell. Pig X is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue, and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, head to www.piglivability.org or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. Pig X ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.